You are Locked On Bruins alongside Nick Cope. I'm Brian Fenley. This is your team every day, and we have got so much to get to on this show. But of course, first, if you want to join the social media conversation with us, please do so. Connect with Nick Cope and I. Nick's Twitter is NKOOP. I'm at Brian Fenley. And the show's Twitter handle, by now you probably have memorized this, and it's pretty obvious. It's Locked On Bruins. Give that a follow. And if you want to drop us an email, have any critiques or comments about the show or the Bruins, do so at LockedOnBruins at gmail.com. And we kindly ask you to subscribe and build up the following as we build up the hype and the anticipation for UCLA's football season. And we got some good news on the injury front. Those injury numbers are dwindling heading into game week, which, by the way, the first game of the season is on Thursday. So we will discuss some of the injuries players getting healthy, including some of the stars and what this means for the team. And then we, while we do have plenty of time to get into the Thursday matchup against Cincinnati, we will look at a couple key components to this matchup and things to look out for. And then we will finish off this show by getting into UCLA women's soccer. And Nick Cope is going to take us through a season preview as they begin their season tonight, Nick. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. You got Iowa State coming in. Uh, you know, it's pretty much just become a well-oiled machine at this point, the UCLA women's soccer team. There are just talented players, and California's got a bevy of them to choose from. There's talented players coming in every year, and it just seems like this team is never going to run out of talent so long as uh, head coach Amanda Cromwell is there. So really excited to see them uh, tonight on the field. No question. And a lot of talent that is getting healthy on the football field, including Joshua Kelly. Yes, while he has been sidelined and has not been a full participant in fall camp, reports as of Wednesday he is a full go. He has that yellow jersey wiped off. He's wearing a blue jersey, which means he is healthy and getting all sorts of reps on all drills and not limited in any way. And we've also heard some great news about Darnay Holmes, another star who had been injured or had been limited in his role in fall camp. And they have said that he is becoming a more active participant in fall camp as well. Diamond Lee. So there are plenty of guys who are beginning to at least become more involved in practice. And I know Nick, we, we discussed a couple days ago where we would rank our anxiety level to the injuries and kind of we gave a barometer of how we felt and we kind of pointed to game week. Like you said, if some of the injuries and some of the stars like Joshua Kelly and Darnie Holmes, if they still were wearing those yellow non-contact jerseys in game week, then there would be some serious cause for concern. But because it seems like a lot of those guys are coming back into the rotation, perhaps this is wonderful news and a sign that we could have these guys all back for the season opener. 
yeah, having that full week of preparation going into the game is really paramount. You, they typically have uh, the the first three days going hard in practice. Thursday, Friday, usually a little bit lighter. They're going through a walkthrough on Thursday. So you, especially for those first couple days of game week prep, you want to have those guys in there. So huge that Joshua Kelly and Darnay Holmes are back there. The only guys were really still. You know, worried about keeping an eye on Theo Howard still has a yellow jersey. He's been going through drills. It seems like he's close. And given that he's been, you know, not he's been more of a participant than some of these other guys have been that have had the yellow jerseys on. So we'll keep an eye on him. I feel a little bit more optimistic about Theo Howard, just given how much he has practiced despite having the yellow jersey. And then the other guys, Alec Anderson who still is on the sidelines during practice, going to take a little bit of time. But, Brian, having Joshua Kelly back, it's painfully obvious how important (laughs) he is to this team. Uh, You just think about the running back depth. Yes, we love Martell Irby, too. He's been a really solid backup and seems to be ready to take another step this year. But you didn't... He's such a nice compliment to Joshua Kelly. If you didn't have Joshua Kelly to set him up, then all of a sudden your depth feels so much thinner. Keegan um, Keegan Jones and Casimir Keegan Allen, Jones, yeah. yeah, they're you know they're smaller backs, speedier backs. So you like to have another big guy like Martel Irby to go with Joshua Kelly. So full complement in the backfield. It appears uh, next Thursday. Chip Kelly a couple days ago, it felt like he was so giddy when he took the initiative and boasted to reporters that he's getting about 92 to 96 percent as far as participation from his team in fall camp and he went on to say he is quote really impressed with the health of this team and he feels that maybe never in his career as a coach has he had this many kids healthy throughout camp now yeah there have been some bumps and bruises along the way and some players have been out for little to maybe more time throughout fall camp but I will say Nick just based upon the tone of Chip Kelly when he's asked about injuries it he sort of had this dismissive attitude like you know guys it's not that big of a deal like it never felt like it and again This is just from my perspective, but it just never felt like he had a lot to worry about and the fans had a lot to worry about just based upon how he was answering the questions about the injuries and his tone and his and the perception that we kind of felt from him. It just seemed like, you know, he said a lot of things like so and so was day to day and Again, I don't want to jinx myself, but we're not seeing, as Kelly pointed out, significant injuries that will linger into the season. And I also wanted to bring up one more point, Nick, and that is, you know, again, we're seeing in the NFL a lot of players and a lot of coaches kind of decide to to pull back on their starters seeing the field during preseason, limiting contact and live drills and physicality in fall camp and training camp 
as a way to kind of preserve their starters and preserve health and and make sure that they don't beat themselves up too much before the season even starts. Now, Chip has been adamant about, look, we are not subtracting any of our time with live action. We're still hitting every day, but I do think that maybe for some of the players like a Joshua Kelly, it, it benefits them that maybe he's not actively saying, look, just sit this out or or have a, a minimal participation, but just kind of erring on the safe side for guys like Joshua Kelly and Darnie Holmes just to not throw out their bodies in fall camp and take too many hits when they really don't have to, right? So maybe it's just kind of a self-preservation tool that we're seeing in the NFL and maybe is starting to trickle more in college football. Yeah, well, it's funny. I was thinking about how, you know, he doesn't, you know, linger on injuries too much. He sort of dismisses it. And I think at the same time, he also uh, can't allow himself to contemplate those injuries too much. If a guy's not available, he just has to, all right, next guy up, we got to, you know, if he's not available, someone else has got to come in. Let's keep going. Uh, but I'm sure we'll see, you know, there's no way to know for sure because only the first 20 minutes of practice are open. But I'd be surprised if Joshua Kelly wasn't, you know, they didn't take their time with him a little bit this week, you know, just to make sure that, uh, you know, he is going to be healthy for that first game. It's really a delicate line, though, because you want a guy to feel ready to take hits in that first game, but you want him to be fresh and not potentially re-injure his knee again. Um, But for the Bruins, I mean, look at where they are right now in terms of health. You have Theo Howard, who seems like he's close. He is participating a lot. So really what you're leaving camp with, Tyree Thompson out for, you know, an indefinite amount of time. Hopeful he'll come back at some point. And then Alec Anderson, who is rehabbing your left tackle. That's pretty good in terms of overall health to come away with through, uh, you know, several weeks of fall camp. They're out for significant reasons. And I just wanted to say that nobody is pulling an Antonio Brown and using a helmet <laughs> as an excuse to get out of fall camp. And speaking of the NFL, the new Locked On NFL is on fire. Last week, is one, it was one of the most listened to NFL shows with the expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson and hosted by Brian Peacock. Locked On NFL is your daily national podcast for all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. Follow Locked On NFL now on your favorite podcast provider. Coming up next, Nick and I will begin to unravel the matchup between Cincinnati and UCLA, including one player on the Bearcats who really could be a decisive game changer. We'll get into that next. Welcome back to Locked On Bruins. He's Nick Cope. I'm Brian Fenley. Our show, Locked On Bruins. This is your team every day. You know where to find us on social media, on Twitter, N-K-O-O-P. That is Nick's Twitter. I'm at Brian Fenley, and the show's Twitter is Locked On Bruins. It is technically, Nick, is it considered game week? We're Friday, and yeah. the game is Thursday. Yes, yeah, so I think this so, is, definitely. So we have begun to kind of process that, and I know the football team is beginning their own preparations 
treating it as a game week, despite the fact it's a Friday and they play next Thursday in Cincinnati. Cincinnati's quarterback. There are a lot of parallels to Dorian Thompson Robinson, Nick. They're dual threat QBs. They're both sophomores. They both were forced into their season openers last year when these two teams played when the senior starters had injuries. So Desmond Ritter, the Bearcats quarterback, two series in, he was thrown the keys to the offense and it came against UCLA when their their main starter, Hayden Moore, went down with an injury. And then you've got Dorian Thompson-Robinson taking over when Wilton Spate went down in that game as well. Nick, when I look at Desmond Ritter from just an offensive perspective, and we'll have plenty of days coming up here to get a little bit more detailed with our breakdowns as far as uh, position groups and analysis in that sense. But what we can take from Desmond Ritter is this guy last year, the second leading rusher on the team. Over 500 yards on the ground, five touchdowns, and he came in as a redshirt freshman last year, and they kind of played him sort of like a game manager to begin. He was kind of like a, a Trent Dilfer, if you may, or a Brad Johnson or the great Chad Pennington, but you saw as he picked up game experience that his ability to throw the deep ball improved intermediate throws. And, and so he went from not just like a check down Charlie to a guy who can air it out and do it with some confidence. So, you know, I feel like that's somebody who could create a lot of mismatches and it can be a very troublesome, right? Nick for this UCLA defense. Yeah. He was troublesome in the game last year, partly because the Bruins, you know, that it was not part of the game plan to see him there in the game thr- thrust into action immediately. And you're right. He, they did kind of play things conservatively as far as throwing the ball, only about 190 yards passing per game. He did complete pretty well at 62% and just five interceptions took care of the ball. What he does have over the likes of Trent Dilfer and Brad Johnson, <laughs> and you mentioned, is his running ability. And he was sure. so shifty against UCLA, and it really provided another dynamic for this offense. He was named the Conference Rookie of the Year. And what really helped him be able to ease into things is that their bell cow running back is just outstanding. Michael Warren, he'll be back again. He was second in the conference and 12th in the nation in rushing with 1,353 yards. He ran for 142 against the Bruins last year. Your point about Ritter is well made, and it it is him and and Michael Warren, the two keys here. Those are the two guys that ran all over the place last year, and those are the two you're going to have to keep an eye on again this year. Michael Warren recently was asked about the developing, improved Desmond Ritter and said, quote, he's a fighter, he talks trash, and he's somebody you want to play for. His quarterback coach said that Des sometimes gets too confident, but he'd rather rather have it that way, and he's super competitive, and he's the type of guy you want to be in the huddle with. His high school coach said he has this 
fiery on-field personality. And there were times where he got so hyped and so exuberant and full of emotion in games that the coach thought about pulling him for a series or two just to calm him down. So what we're going to see, Nick, is a guy who loves to talk smack. And I don't really, I can never really understand the benefits wholeheartedly in, in talking smack because I guess you're trying to hype yourself up, but trash talking, trash talking fuels the other team. And so I see a trash talker in Des Ritter and how much trash talking do you really want to do after you suffer a blindside hit from Osa Odigizua and he hits a little bit harder because he knows that you're saying some extra things about him and his team. And so what I could never understand is why players need, I get it that they need something like a switch to hype themselves up. And, and sometimes you look at Baker Mayfield and he needs this feeling like everybody hates him and he's like up against the world and like, you know, the world's out to get him and that's his way of motivating himself. But like, why do you need to, can't you just do that? Like internally, isn't there a way that you can kind of keep it within yourself and, and, and still have that hunger to succeed, but not, you know, spout off because I'm concerned that if if Des Ritter, as he starts to get more cocky, you know, he was part of a team that won 11 games last year. As he starts to get a little bit more cocky and bring this swag, I just see this as, as more bulletin board for any opponent, including UCLA. And there's really a lot of benefit to the other team when you trash talk because then they use that against you. I mean, so that's just how I feel about it. Well, at the same time, I think part of it also is you you motivate your own teammates potentially too. You get them a little hyped, fired up, get them a little extra juice going. And I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of that next week. You've got a team with high expectations coming off that 11-win season. They have all these key pieces back. It It's kind of similar to UCLA. Obviously, they're in the third year of Luke Fickle versus year two of Chip Kelly, a little bit ahead there. But you've got guys like Ritter, Warren coming back, some guys on the defense who have got all this experience. And so they've gone from being younger in 2018 to now having all this experience in 2019. And expectations for them are through the roof, and they're hoping that they can compete with UCF. So you've got... You know, Thursday night game on ESPN. Everyone's going to be watching. I'm sure Nippert Stadium will be full. You've got the first time that a Pac-12 team is coming into Nippert Stadium in Cincinnati since 2007. That place is going to be rocking. I'm sure that Desmond Ritter is going to be playing to that as well. There was a quick, uh, as we wrap up this segment, there was a social media a video that was posted by Cincinnati Football, their Twitter where Des Ritter took the mic and he said something about, we can't wait for the 29th of August. And he said to his teammate, and he handed the mic over to him. Actually, his teammate kind of ripped the mic away from him. And he said, we got big things planned for August 28th. And he said it sort of with this level of 
conceit and pompousness. So I just can't wait, Nick. And I know you feel the same sentiment about this game coming up on Thursday. You talked about Michael Warren. We'll get more in-depth about him as we lead up to kickoff on Thursday, which I believe, Nick, if I'm not mistaken, is at 4 p.m. Pacific time, the UCLA-Cincy game. So, yes, we have so much time to you know, get into so many more different storylines. But there are some key storylines that Nick is about to get into for another team with high expectations, UCLA's women's soccer team. And he will break it all down because tonight their season opener, Nick, will be on the call. Hear why this team has humongous things in store for their future this year. That is next. Nick Cope will break it down. Welcome back to Locked On Bruins. It's Nick Cope. It's Brian Fenley. We are Locked On Bruins. That is our Twitter handle. If you couldn't figure that out, I don't know how I could help you. But our Twitter handle personally, mine is Brian Fenley. Nick's is N-K-O-O-P. Nick and I, we do co-hosting for the Bruin Insider Show, which actually starts next Thursday. Tonight, UCLA women's soccer embarks on another season filled with so much promise. You will be on the call for that season opener. And what exactly are you seeing from this team and their level of swagger and confidence with so much talent riddled among the roster? Oh, yeah, they're, they're going to score a lot of goals this year. No doubt they did it last year. Uh, they'll do it again. Uh, so they're taking on Iowa State tonight. And, I mean, what more do you want? I mean, there's no college football on, right? And it's going to be Friday night. When the sun goes down over there, it's a very comfortable evening. And uh, Wallace Annenberg Stadium, if you can't uh, make it out there, I'd love if you listen to the broadcast online. Uh, but the new Wallace Annenberg Stadium is great. You're right on top of the field. And this is going to be a really fun team to watch. Ranked number four in the country this year after they went 17-3-2 last year, falling in the quarterfinals of the NCAA tournament to North Carolina, one of the most storied programs in all of women's college soccer. Uh, but they're part of what's become a clear tier at the top of the Pac-12, which we've seen for several years now. It's, it's UCLA, Stanford, and USC. One of those three teams is going to win the conference, and then there's everybody else, and, and that's very clear because at the preseason rankings, Stanford three, UCLA four, USC five. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on those things and going to be some big games as we get through a couple key games to keep an eye on. Just next Thursday, the same night as the football opener, they're going to be taking on number one and defending champion Florida State in a game played at a Bank of California Stadium where the where LAFC plays. And then uh, the Stanford game, they'll be in Palo Alto October 19th. But the one to really circle, if you're going to come out this year, November 8th, a Friday night against USC, they're going to play that one at Drake Stadium because there will be thousands of people there. A couple years ago, they broke an attendance record. Uh, so there's kind of your overview. But now let's get into the team just a little bit more. And uh, if you have a question, cut me off, Brian. Uh, but the big thing coming into this year, I think, is – you're not going to have the World Cup qualifying that interrupted things last fall. Two of the top players for the Bruins, Jesse Fleming and Haley Mace, missed most of last season representing Canada and the U.S. respectively in World Cup qualifying. They were there at the end, 
but they missed all that time in between to to help mesh things together. And Mace has now graduated along with Julia Hernandez, who is a key reserve. But that's it. Just two players graduated. They bring in a host of freshmen, including Mia Fischel, who is going to be someone to watch. She has tons of offensive ability. They also bring in Sunshine Fontes, who's probably not going to play this year, but listen to this. She was the USA U-17 national team all-time leading goal scorer. She put up 24 goals. That's an astounding number. She is recovering from an ACL injury that happened earlier this year, so she might end up redshirting this season. Uh, We'll keep an eye on that. And then the other transfer coming in, Lucy Parker coming over from LSU. She was an all-SEC first-team defender. So, as we said, just reloading just like that. Amanda Cromwell, the head coach, her teams are aggressive. You will see the outside backs on the back line. They will come forward and initiate and get involved in the offense. Very free-flowing and so fun to watch. And hopefully people can come out tonight or at some point this season. This is one of the best teams at UCLA to come check out. Your broadcasts, Nick, are also free-flowing. How can fans listen in? What do they have to do to make sure they can hear you for tonight's match and any soccer game coming up this season? Yeah, so we got all the home men's and women's soccer games this year. If you don't have the Pac-12 network, which I know people have DirecTV, uh, or I think there might be some others, but DirecTV, the main one. If you don't have Pac-12 network, I've got you covered. Just go to UCLA dot lean player.com have all the broadcasts there do a little pregame i chat with the coaches including amanda cromwell and 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 got you covered it's been a fun challenge learning to do soccer for the radio um but hopefully you guys uh, find it fun to listen to uh and helpful to picture as well bruin fans nick is a must listen do tune in tonight and to all of his soccer broadcasts as well. And it also helps when you have such a great team led by such a great coach in Amanda Cromwell. Well, from soccer, we will focus so much more on football getting into next week. We have so much to address. UCLA and Cincinnati battling it out in the season opener. Much to discuss coming up next week. But for now, that will do it. For Nick Cope, I'm Brian Fenley. Thank you again for your time. This is your team every day. Go Bruins, and you're listening to Locked on Bruins.